Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. is in session all you cool cats and hot dogs welcome back to another episode of humanity my voice kind of cracked there <laughs> i'm one of your hosts table and i'm amelia hope you all had a great week i'm looking forward to this episode especially because at first i was like what but then uh, give it give it some time people because after I, you know, we went through some of the notes, I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. It's like history taken away from us without us even realizing, you know. Right. Oh, why don't you just kind of explain what we're talking about so I don't, you know, go <laughs> into it too much. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode on plants, your episode on plants. And I recently re-listened to it. And during the episode, I mentioned a couple of times like, oh, I wonder if that's where the phrase putting down mm-hmm. roots comes from or yeah, yeah. where the phrase like Johnny apple, apple seed. Yeah. Yeah. When we were talking about apples and like apple fa- doesn't fall far from the tree. And then that got me to thinking like, there are so many things that either we miss say or don't say correctly or don't actually know where the phrase came from. Yeah. And I love that kind of stuff. Like, I wonder why people say that. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a word person. So I dug into it and I have found, a ton. And this isn't even this isn't even like the tip of the iceberg. These are just the ones I liked the most. Yeah, so that's, that's why I'm kind of like freaking out is because like this, like you said, is the tip of the iceberg. But for me, what was before written history? It's oral history. How right. much of our lives have been shaped by the sayings that our parents or older generations have told us, mm-hmm. you know, it's like playing telephone, you know, the original exactly message. what I was going to yeah. say is like, oh, it's yeah. playing telephone mm-hmm. and uh, it's things do get lost in, tra- in translation too. I mean, some yeah. people may not want to hear this, but take, for example, the Bible, a lot gets left out in translation because it's been translated so many different times. And the King James Bible, which most devout mm-hmm. people look to, is still translated from Aramaic to Hebrew to Latin to English. Like you, yeah, you're bingo. missing so much from the original. Exactly. 
I mean, one of the things that, I don't know, I kind of complain with other Koreans when I rarely get to complain with other Koreans is that we're like, the English language is so limited. Like our expressions, there's words that you can't say in English because they don't have that expression yet. Right. You know? So and it, the translation doesn't, and there are certain emotions you can portray in so many different languages. And maybe we mm -hmm. should do an episode on that because there are yeah. some specific phrases in different languages that mean such like, I think there's one that like, it's a word that specifically means being hungry, but not being hungry. Mm -hmm. Oh, like it's you're hungry, but you're not actually hungry. It's like that bored kind of hungry, but munchie. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're actually hungry when you, I mean, oh, okay. you have a, a hunger response, but like whenever you're not actually hungry, but eating, I can't remember, but there are so many things that describe very specific feelings that all we right. don't understand. Well, for all you listeners out there, this is the episode where we crack the vault. We're going to take you down history and you're pretty much going to realize your whole life has been pointed a certain direction after you've heard these sayings. But we're about to complete the circle for you. So put on your seatbelts and Amelia, take it away. First of all, I do want to specify here that a lot of these articles and research bring up things that are super derogatory, saying, oh, these are things you don't understand and they make you sound dumb, or you're an idiot if you don't know the correct way to say these 50 phrases. This is not about that for me. None of this, like, I don't care how you say things. Because most of the time, they roughly mean the same thing. The origin was just different. So it really doesn't matter in the end. Some of them, yeah, the, it's a completely different story. But the first ones especially, who cares? So what you're saying is not only is the information that you found, you know, just super fascinating because all this time we've only been told half the truth, but the articles that were written about it were already being biased towards you, kind of like making you feel dumb for not yeah, knowing. Yeah, biased against you, yeah. Like completely, like, oh, I can't believe you didn't know this, and you sound really dumb if you say this the wrong way. That speaks a lot about, like, uh, today's culture, to be honest. It's like, it really does. We can't just correct our fellow humans. We have to shame them for the information. It's not free. We have to, or or maybe it's like peer pressure. Oh my God, you didn't know this? And you're like, oh, I'm insecure. I, I need to know now. Yeah. It's yeah. like, now I have to ask the question instead of going, meh. Exactly. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Especially these first ones I'm going to go in. So there were very tiny phrases. Like, whenever mm -hmm. you hear someone say, nip it in the butt. Do you hear butt or do you hear bud? Uh, uh, I want to say I hear butt, like the rear end. Yeah. A lot of people say nip it in the butt, which is just a funny phrase. I can't get that imagery in my head or why that would mean what it's supposed to mean. Because essentially nip it in the butt, as it's commonly said, is meant to like, you know, cut something off before it gets bad. But actually it's nip it in the bud and it's plant logic because you want to cut off certain parts before they bloom so that the bigger flowers can flourish. Like we talked about with plants, you know, they have to get oh, That makes sense. Yeah. So what is so, that saying actually, like, what is it used for, though? Okay, so you're a father. Let's uh -huh. say, for example, you caught your child lying. You uh -huh. want to nip it in the bud. You want to curb that behavior soon before it spoils the rest. You want to oh. nip it in the bud. Catch it early. Gosh, you want to catch the gosh. problems early. To be honest, I didn't even actually know that that was a saying. There might be a lot of these you don't know. But, I mean, that's just... Uh, living in the South, it's mm -hmm. a, like... 
idioms, phrases, they're everyday life. And you hear all of this stuff from the time you're a child. Yeah, I'm so glad you're doing this episode. (laughs) Okay, so I learned one. The next one is, it's not one in the same, because whenever you're talking about like, oh, this person has an alter ego, they're one in the same. No, they are one and the same. They are one and the same. And it's supposed to be about emphasis. And like I said, a lot of these can mean the exact same things. It's just one word differences. This is tripping me out. I'm like looking, I'm like, what's the difference? (laughs) One and the same and one in the same my mind is overthinking this. I'm like, what if same wasn't a word, but it was an actual person? Oh, we'll get to that with the last one in this little section, because like, it's a very specific difference, but it's Um, like, Oh, this has like logic behind it. Um, and the next one, they mean the same thing. Essentially deep seated S E A T E D is the actual phrase. Like it's, Uh it's fixed in place. It's seated in place deeply instead of deep seated S E E D E D not plant logic, you know, like if you bury something deep when you plant it, but uh-huh. it's actually seeded. Once again, they essentially mean the same thing, but it's just a little bit different. This one tripped me out because like I said, I learned a lot in this. Like I learned a lot of things that I thought were correct. Not only were they not correct, but they have a completely different meaning. So whenever you do something or say something to someone and they come back with, if you think that that's the truth and you've got another thing coming, it's not another thing coming. It's another think T H I N K another think coming. So if like you have the wrong opinion about something, it's like if, well, if you think that you've got another think coming, meaning you should really think it through. You don't understand what you're actually looking at instead of, a form of punishment because it's like a, it's almost yeah. a threat. Yeah. Like, oh, you've got another yeah, thing is. coming. Think that. Yeah. Yeah. But another thing is more. You got to rethink that. Exactly. Okay. That's the first one where I felt like I was like, oh, I like the, the new the thing. Yeah, yeah. The, you've got another thing coming. Why do you like it better? Oh, it's kind of sounds, reminds me of mafia. It's purely oh, just bias, like <laughs> no logic to this. This and is just. I, I like the other one better because it makes more sense to me. Like, oh yeah, that's good. I should think this through. You no, know, it does. It, it definitely is better, but I'm just thinking mafia for some reason. I'm like, you better think it through or you got another thing coming. What other thing? <laughs> you know that thing. <laughs> yeah. um, the next one is also very small honing in so whenever you're honing in on something what do you think about like a homing i don't know like you're homing in homing missile okay we'll see i've always said honing in and honing when you hone a skill you sharpen it you get it better so you're like Mm -hmm. getting closer with that but it is like you said homing in h-o-m-i-n-g like a Mm -hmm. homing pigeon or a missile which mm-hmm. actually physically means getting closer instead of, you know, sharpening anything. Not You're not sharpening your, I guess. Wait, which one's, say. it's actually homing? Yeah, it's actually homing oh, in. well, I've been saying homing the entire time then. Look at you go. But that was purely because of my logic. Because I was like, I never thought of the, it could have been honing. I was thinking home. You're convincing something that it, this is their home and they're trying to return home. And that's me once again overthinking and just thinking more into the word. Well, the homing in overthinking definitely paid off because you were correct. Yay. This is one. Whenever you try to get rid of something you don't actually like, you pawn it off. Yeah. This job was pawned off on me. This Mm -hmm. tchotchke was pawned off on me. You know, like you take it to a pawn store. Yeah. 
but it's not. It's palmed off. P-A-L-M-E-D, palmed off. Why would it be that? Because of sleight of hand. You tricked someone into taking this from you. You palmed it off on someone else. Oh, so what does palmed off mean? It's just a variation of that. It was originally palmed off. Because you're tricking someone into taking something you don't want. See, for me, I mean, you're telling the historical part of it. Me, a commoner, hearing this, <laughs> is thinking like, uh, palmed off sounds like you sleight of handed it. Mm-hmm. But pawned off is like you got kind of gypped in price or, you know, like at a pawn shop, you're never really going to get the price you want, you know? Right. Essentially, they both mean that you got the raw end of the deal. Yeah, I can agree with that. Now, the next one is a little bit different because it actually is logical. So okay. the phrase everyone says is, oh, whatever, I could care less. Yeah. But when you say I could care less, you're implying that you, in fact, could. But- yeah. care less yeah, yeah. so the real phrase is i couldn't care less meaning you don't care at all like i could not care any okay. less than i care right now yeah that makes sense and it's funny that you brought this up earlier about going full circle because when most people say that they change their minds or whenever you see someone turn their life around they're like they did a complete 360 360 degrees is a full circle and if you do that you're going to end up right back where you started So whenever someone changes, it's actually they do a 180 because they go to the opposite side. I actually do remember learning that in like high school or middle school. I don't remember. A math teacher brought that up. I was not going to assume a math teacher taught you that. I was going to assume that Tony Hawk taught you that by doing tricks. I didn't play Tony Hawk. Really? Yeah. I played Tony Hawk a lot as a kid. The soundtrack was phenomenal. I mean, everyone was hooked on it. I watched it and I was like, why the hell would you want to just skateboard for hours watching points go up? Like, I'd rather be adventuring, like getting new (laughs) weapons, you know, saving the princess. You have to go through and you have to get the little coins and you have to get like the five pieces to make the... It's, yeah, it's I didn't really play those Sonic or race car or sports games. You know, oh, like Sonic. I needed I needed adventure, you know. Sonic was an adventure. Yeah, all you did was collect coins. You had no, I don't know, like it's, it wasn't as. As great. It was, yeah, I don't know, not for me. So the next one, whenever you are uneasy about something or, I don't know, anxious, someone would say you're on tender hooks. And tender hooks aren't anything at all. Tender hooks means nothing except to imply that you're tender, you're sore, you're uncomfortable. However, the original phrase is on tenter hooks, T-E-N-T-E-R. Tenter hooks are actually what are used to stretch wool whenever you're weaving it. Yeah. And it leaves it very thin and fragile. So it means essentially the same thing, but tender hooks don't exist. Tenter hooks do. Well, to be Quite frank, I have never heard both words. On tenterhooks, yes. So whenever you let someone loose and just give whatever, it's you, they have free reign. They have free reign. And I've okay. always thought that it was reign like as in a monarch, you know, your reign of time. Because monarchs can be pretty, you know, out there and overbearing. But it's actually free reign, R-E-I-N, implying that if you let a horse's reins go, or metaphorically a humans, Mm -hmm. you let them choose their own path. So they get free reign. I see. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. But I mean, like, again, they can still mean the same thing. You get the gist of either thing. Now, 
as a Southerner, when you're a kid, you're told all the time, you're the spitting image of someone. You're yeah, the spitting image I of your mother. Mm-hmm. It's not spitting image. It's spit an image. And this is important because we're going back to the Bible here. So it's been commonly interpreted through the Bible that God created Adam in his own image out of spit and mud. So whenever someone looks at you, it evolved into a metaphor saying that your parents spit to create you like God created his children, Adam and Eve. And to create children, you know, you you are the spit and image of them. He made you with the spit and in his image. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, full disclosure, and I hope to God there's other people out there that have the same realization as me or whatever, but I did not think of spit and image or spitting image. I thought it was splitting, like splitting wood, splitting image. But like split cells. So yeah, like you're the splitting image of them. Yeah. So like you're the splitting image, but now I know it's neither. I mean, it, it was neither, and it was spit and image. But I like splitting image, to be honest. That's, it, it paints a picture. Yeah, I'm going to just go with that one and create my own faction of... Phrases throughout yeah, the world. I think We've got a good start. Better. We've got a good yeah. start. You know, you, you can't kill an albatross without hatching another. I mean, we have an exactly. excellent start. Yeah, yeah. So... Honestly, and you just brought up a good point with saying neither, neither. I mean, there is a certain faction of people that believe that there are no commonly misused phrases or sayings, because if it's common, then it kind of becomes a part of language. It officially becomes a part of language. Take, for example, the new words that have come out in the last 10, 15 years that are now in the Webster's Dictionary, like fleek and yeet and so many things. I mean, imagine someone from 10 years ago talking with the average man today, but then you go back 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and then you're right. going to start talking different. No one says rad anymore. Yeah. Like if you went back 200 years, could they have a conversation with us? Are we going to be able to communicate? Because I'm pretty darn sure even the English that they use in Hollywood for as accurately as they can portray history yeah. It's probably nothing like how they actually talked, even the phrases or mannerisms of speaking. So many words, and this can be tied into the whole thing of languages have specific words that mean specific things that can't translate. There have been so many words, like you said, lost to time. Yeah. No one says flipperty gibbet anymore and knows what it means. No one says so many of those fun little words that were in the early 17, 1800s. I think I've heard that word once in like one of those like 100 hours of cartoons that I don't know if you ever had as a child, but my parents loved me enough to buy me that. So, (laughs) (laughs) or did not love me enough. Well, apparently, apparently I had no parental love in the tv department uh because i did not get any of those well it was in the costco packages and we don't have costco i know <laughs> like two cassette tapes with each i think 100 hours mm-hmm. or 50 hours but they were all the old looney tunes was it the original wb yeah. So you would get from Superman to Roadrunner to Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. It's cool. And and like third party animation type stuff. I don't know. 
Yeah, but words like balderdash and shenanigans and liberty. Yeah, and no one says those things anymore. And it's it's kind of sad because a lot of them were really fun and very descriptive. Mm-hmm. But essentially what I'm saying is, yes, we're ignorant of a lot of this stuff. But in the end, like I said, very few of them have different meanings from what we're trying to portray. Some do, but some don't. I mean, we'll get to some later that actually have hugely different meanings. And those are kind of important. I feel Mm -hmm. first we're going to go into some darker origins of phrases that most people don't really understand when they say them. And it's a kind of to the effect of nursery rhymes, like ring around the rosy is about the black plague. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that, especially as children singing it, you don't understand that. So a lot of this is kind of on that line. Like it's not super, super dark, but it's just dark enough. That'll make you rethink saying certain things. Yeah, I do remember that. I don't remember the details, but how did it go? Like, ring around the rose, the ashes full of... Pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. So, rocket full of posies? Pocket full of posies. posies. I think they had posies because they thought that would keep the black plague away, the bubonic plague. That was the ashes, and that That was the anointing. The posies were for the smell. Like pocket full of posies so that you don't smell the death okay gotcha and ashes ashes we all fall down we, means we you die, die. Mm-hmm. yeah okay that's pretty dark <laughs> yeah but i mean we didn't know that as kids we just sang it yeah but can you imagine like kids singing that back in the day and it's like oh god there's bodies i, I don't know when that was created though uh probably shortly after the black death to make fun of it to lighten oh. the mood Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But we can dig into that another time. So since we're talking about dark things, the first thing I wanted to talk about was the word sinister, which we all know means evil or dark. Uh Uh-huh. But what I didn't realize is that sinister is actually the Latin word, which means left. Oh. In many languages, like from Bavarian to Irish, the word for left-handed people meant crooked, deficient, weakest, A lot of cultures consider left things evil or bad or wrong. So left-handed people were seen as witches or evil people. So the word sinister, meaning evil or broken, is just because it was the left. It was the left side. Man, that just like really disappoints me because once again, we've talked about how our brains have not evolved much in the last 2,000 years. Yeah. We're evolving very slowly mentally you know, cranially. And to point at a person using their left hand as being evil is just appalling. It's, I don't know, it's retarded, like literally, like it's the thought is... The the ratio to left-handed to right-handed people is really low. Like there are very few left people compared to right-handed. But also most cultures consider the left hand unclean too. Like you wipe with your left hand. You don't eat with it. Things like that. So, well, that's the thing is you change your arrow a single degree or your gun, even half a degree, like where it lands could be like a big difference. And so, looking at how we thought the left handed people were sinister makes me just think like it's branched off into so many things we can't really logically like understand. 
But how many things in our culture do we see as evil or one side seeing it being evil just because it's on the left side? Most apparent example is the left side of the government. The right side thinks the left is evil, you know. I mean, yeah, politics, people get really uh, heated over, but I don't know. That's just table side thinking that's going to happen while you continue. Well, do remember that the left thing, because that does come up in a later like instance, it, it ties into stuff. Mm. But the first one I really want to go into is Baker's Dozen. So whenever you're out and you're shopping for cookies or cupcakes, usually they give you a Baker's Dozen. There's 13 instead of 12. Mm-hmm. I always thought this was in case like you dropped one or you made a mistake. There would be an extra. Yeah. But actually, in the 13th century, under Henry III, a statute was created that meant bakers could lose their hands for selling lighter or what was called considered low-quality bread. Oh. So if you were sending things out and they're like, oh, I paid for this much, you didn't give me enough, you could lose your hands. Oh, jeez. And, of course, at the time, there's no industry, there's no standardization for anything, so getting the same size loaf every time is difficult. And in order to offset that, they would always include an extra piece of bread in the dozen to offset any, you know, suggestion that they might be underselling. Like, here's extra. And it kept them safe. Oh. So whenever you get that baker's dozen, thank your baker for, you know, not underselling you. Because it is a long-standing tradition to keep their hands. Wow. That's imagining that in a 3D, like the dimension through time and space and in my brain and whatever, it is crazy to think that that historical fact just shot through time and is now overlooked. It's something we do every day, you know, for those that do buy dozens of whatever Baker's dozen, it's like this dark thing, but we're like all smiling, smiling at it. I got an extra cupcake. Yeah. It's like, Oh, just for you, you know? And it's just like, Whoa, life does get better in certain aspects, I guess. Oh, yeah. The next one, and this may be one you're unfamiliar with, but you hear it a lot in the South. Whenever someone's happy, they're like, oh, I'm just as pleased as punch. Just Mm -hmm. as pleased as punch. And I was completely unaware of this because you think about the drink. It means you're satisfied. Like the definition of the phrase is to mean you're satisfied. But the satisfaction was originally from a super sinister origin. And I'm going to use that word a lot because, I mean, it's not about the drink. They were puppets from the 1600s called Punch and Judy. And they became a staple entertainment. You know, in the movies, you see people in a square and there's a puppet show going and it's a big deal. Uh That's kind of based around Punch and Judy, who were married. Uh, But Punch would get angry in the show and then in a very slapstick manner proceed to murder everyone. He would start off what? with his child, and then he would murder Judy. Oh, my God. And then God. he would murder any member of authority that came to check, like a policeman or a constable or an aristocrat. He would kill them off. And every time he did it, he would go, that's the way to do it. So very pleased with himself. Like, yes, that's the way to kill them. So being pleased as punch means that you're satisfied, yes, but it comes specifically from that. Like, being as pleased as the puppet punch for murdering people. Wow. And it's, like I said, still very common in the South and very common in the UK today. People still say pleased as punch. Well, I definitely have not heard that phrase or uh, that's the way to do it in that context. 
And that is, you know, like there's a responsibility for I believe, <laughs> I don't I don't know like especially at the early times of television the mass public you know there a lot of them were glued to the telly and they would be influenced by a lot because at that time you know it wasn't like today where people could be publishing like a bunch of different articles it was like one voice almost yeah and that created an entire generation of people that might have known that that was comedy but then also a large portion of people that believed that was the appropriate thing to do yeah. i don't know so i don't know yeah so still in the same kind of time frame in the 17th and 18th century you have the phrase mad as a hatter that developed which obviously means to be completely crazy now this was not from lewis carroll's alice in wonderland as a lot of people think because what? it came before that so to be mad as a hatter meant like Hat makers in the 17th and 18th century used mercury to cure the felt that they made hats with. Uh-huh. And so they developed mercury poisoning. And as a result know. of the mercury poisoning, they it caused shyness, irritability, and tremors that always gave them the appearance of being mad. Damn. So Man. it was very literal to be as mad as a hatter. Yes. And then to end on a delightful note, skeletons in the closet, which we all know means to have hidden secrets someone has Uh skeletons in their closet yeah but this again was actually very quite literal so before the 1832 anatomy act which was created to allow for legal donation of unclaimed bodies and personal donations of a body for research you know Mm -hmm. because that during the 1800s whenever we were getting really familiar with anatomy and how to medically treat people before that Doctors and teachers depended on grave robbers to go steal corpses and skeletons to teach. And before a raid, they would store the skeletons in their closets, quite literally, to avoid, you know, any kind of penalty. So, well, um, if I remember correctly, you said on a lighter note, I'm going to end with this. No, 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 no. On a more literal note. Oh, um, on a literal note. Okay. I got, I'm like, darn it. Amelia's doing that thing again where she thinks dead bodies is like a (laughs) light topic, but that was selective hearing. But we are going to take a break now, and whenever we come back, we are going to have some lighter phrases and take a turn away from the dark. So enjoy our commercial break with our sponsors, and we'll see you in a minute. I'm excited. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And here we are again. Back to talk about a few more things that we don't quite understand all the way and have a good bit of history. Oh boy. But we're going we're gonna to go for a little lighter note here and start off with the phrase raining cats and dogs and we all know that when it's raining cats and dogs it means it's raining really hard but there's actually two different origin stories from this one and i like both of them 
The first one is the idea that it comes from Norse mythology, where cats would symbolize heavy rains and dogs were associated with the god of storms, Odin. So to be raining cats and dogs was very symbolic of their religion. But the funnier one to me is in the 16th century, houses had thatched roofs. And that was one of the very few places during the winter where animals could go to stay warm. And they would usually a lot of roofs like abutted a hill or something. So there was a, a back, you know, so you could just crawl onto the top. The animals could get up there pretty easily. But then, of course, when it starts raining a lot, animals slide off because it gets slick. And so it gave the appearance that it would be raining actual cats and dogs. Oh, well, actually, while you're talking, I wanted to ask if is there a saying, can it or it's raining frogs? But it was because I actually looked this up, but it was because I remember as a child or something in the news saying that there was this town or whatever, and it was raining frogs because a nearby tornado picked up mm-hmm. frogs from, you know, like, I don't know, a pond or a lake or something. Yeah. But turns out, though rare, it is a thing. And no, there's no saying about it, but apparently it does happen like enough. Yeah. I mean, and it can also pick up tiny fish, like a mm-hmm. lot of things can be transported by rain. So it's it's a really neat concept. The next one, which we usually try to do here on every episode of Humanity when we come in, is break the ice. And we all know this to mean to kind of start a conversation or build camaraderie or break conflict. You know, if you're having an argument, you break the ice with something. And it actually is very, uh, you know, apt. Like it, it kind of means that all over because... Back then, trade ships would get trapped in ice in the water in the winter, trying to get to another country that they were delivering to. And in order to help this, smaller ships from the country they were heading to would head out and actually physically break the ice for them. And it was meant as a symbol of affiliation and compassion and understanding between the two countries. So they were literally going out and breaking the ice to help their friends and get their friends in there. So... That was nice and heartwarming for me. Wow. While we're on the subject of rain, I just quickly was looking up frog rain, but then I saw this question and said, can it rain blood? And Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I had to click it. And apparently it can rain blood, but not blood, but red. Apparently it is rare, extremely rare, but it can. And that's when dust like red dust is picked up oh, okay. and it mixes in with strong winds and storms and whatnot. And it gets caught in the atmospheric circulation where it's carried for thousands of miles. And eventually it will rain and they'll fall, but it, it will looks look like yeah, yeah. It, it will look like it's raining blood. And so you saying dust is interesting to me because I immediately thought red algae, like red algae getting picked up. Well, I know Africa has a lot of uh, metals and, you know, different minerals picked up like consistently Mm -hmm. and is blown all around the world, bringing nutrients. But I wonder if this has like anything in biblical stuff or other, you know, scriptures. I I was thinking that when you said raining frogs, like whenever the plagues came through, you know, like the the red, the blood, raining blood and the frog plague, Mm -hmm. like maybe those were all just storm related. Maybe, but yeah, Um, continue. But one that you were highly disturbed about during one particular episode that I cannot recall at this point, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, which means 
Yeah. Don't get rid of valuable things with the unnecessary ones, essentially. You're wanting to get rid of the bathwater, don't throw the baby out. So in the 1500s, people only bathed like once a year and they would do it as a family. So you'd fill the bathtub. <laughs> it was all the same water. The father, the patriarch would go first, then the mother, then the children, and then the babies. So by the time the babies were being washed, the water was so murky and dirty Ew. that a joke was essentially made of make sure you don't lose your baby in the bathwater because you, you could. Like if you dry, you wouldn't see. So don't throw the baby out when the bathwater comes from that. I feel like the moment you lost the baby, you would want to throw it out because <laughs> like, uh, you're not even clean. Babies naturally know how to swim. Yep. They hold their breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they stroke their arms, their pathetic small arms. They flail. Don't don't even try to make it like they're doing it. On, they, flail. they flail. They flail enough to resurface. Yes, they do. Yeah. So this one was interesting to me because I, again, like I said, I learned so much. So uh-huh. whenever you give someone the cold shoulder, what do you think? You're ignoring them. Yeah, okay. So being, if you look it up, it's being unwelcoming or antisocial cold. So I okay. always assumed it was like giving the cold shoulder was because of that cold nature. But mm-hmm. actually, in medieval England, it was customary to give a guest a cold piece of meat from the shoulder of mutton or pork or beef, whatever they were eating, to kind of give you a subtle signal that it was time for you to leave. Like that was a universal signal for you've overstayed your welcome. And I don't want to say it out loud. So here is a cold cut of meat from the shoulder. So to give the cold shoulder is to say, bye now. Like, wow. Yeah. It's like a very subtle way. Yep. But then, but then you'd be looking down and be like, hey, look at Duke Bernard. He got the cold shoulder. I guess he's gotta go. (laughs) And then it arrives, it arrives on your plate and you're like, oh shit. (laughs) We all gotta get out. Or it'd be like a it'd be a good joke. It's just like, hey, King, what's for supper? You know, and it's like pork. It's like, hope I don't get the shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) That looks delicious. And I really want to eat some food. I would most likely be like, oh, wow, cool. Eat it and just keep talking. (laughs) Which is funny now because like pork, like Boston butts are pork shoulder. Like that's what we're eating is shoulder. And it's. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should stop making pulled pork for people, guys. Like that's rude. Rude. I don't. I don't think people are going to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. It's too way too delicious. But yeah. the next one, bury the hatchet. Is everyone universally knows to make peace. Whenever you've been arguing, like yeah, we're going to bury the hatchet and get it over yeah. with. And it's assumed by most people that it comes from negotiations between the Puritans and Native Americans. And the myth goes that they would bury all of their weapons before having negotiations as a sign of good faith. Yeah, in North America, probably North America. I don't know. Europe might actually know. I don't know. Asia (laughs) might not even have this thing. Probably, maybe not. But, uh, and yeah, I guess I should specify most of these are English language. All of these are English language Mm -hmm. sayings. Mm -hmm. Um, but it actually dates back further than that. When native American tribes that were coming together to war with another tribe that had previously been warring would Mm -hmm. symbolically bury a hatchet under a tree to show that they were making peace. So they would physically bury a hatchet as a symbol of their new treaty. So the next one, 
is something that's kind of off the cuff and, and pretty shortly explained. But when we miss something, we say close, but no cigar, like kind of to make you feel a little bit better about like, oh, close, but not quite. And that mm-hmm. kind of equates in my head to the phrase almost all, only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades because, you know, what almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Like if you get the horseshoe close to the peg when you're playing, you get a point. Yeah. So it almost okay. counts there and you can kind of yeah. throw an, a hand grenade in the general direction of something and it still blows up. So I've never heard those, but that is amazing. Yeah. So close, but no cigar, like I said, almost, but not quite successful. But this dates back to the early 19th century when carnival games were aimed at adults and not children. So whenever you were playing, you weren't getting stuffed animals or tickets or anything like that. If you won, you got a cigar. Like that's so, oh, oh so if okay. you lost, that would be like close, but no cigar. I totally heard that wrong because I thought you meant like back in the 19th century carnival games, uh, where you're trying to throw the ball at bottles. Yeah, you were throwing them at people. Oh God, like <laughs> that's how I heard it. Aimed then, at, aimed at was, was where like, the confusion was, happened. Yes, carnival yeah, games are like, aimed at adults. What? And then if you didn't hit them, then you got what? Yeah, but now I get it. That makes more sense. But now in my head, I'm like, so when did they transition from abusing adults to children? Because like, why? (laughs) Yeah. When did that happen? Like the adults are like, I'm done being hit by balls. Have the children do it. (laughs) Oh, man. So now we're going back to the left side thing. So waking up on the wrong side of the bed, which we all know kind of means you're cranky, you're in a bad mood, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. But, mm-hmm. again, like I said, the left side is considered evil. The left side of anything. So, if you woke up on the left side of your bed, it was considered bad luck. Oh, no. And homeowners, to avoid bad luck, would push beds against the wall so that their guests could only sleep on the right side and would wake up on the right side. And, you know, they had kind of no choice but to avoid the evil at that point. But a lot of cultures go with this, too. So some cultures portray this as the left foot. You know, like if you step out of bed on your Uh left foot, you know, starting off the day on the right foot. So are we talking about left side lying down or left side facing the bed? Well, the left side's the left side. So left side facing the bed. Facing the bed. Yeah. Not while you're laying on the bed. Because when you're laying on the bed, you're right and your left is opposite from when you're facing the bed let's let's backtrack to 45 minutes ago when you said thinking the left is evil is wrong it's okay if you sleep on the left side of your bed there's nothing wrong with it i'm just trying to figure this out (laughs) what if my life started going wrong after i started rearranging my room where i'm because when I'm facing my bed right now, I it's on my left side. But when I'm laying in bed, I get out from the right side. Okay. Like you said, it doesn't it matter. It doesn't. So, it's it's no, just superstition. Um, but what if it does? <laughs> <laughs> well, then start sleeping on the right side. Shove it against the wall. I might die. I don't know. <laughs> I might, then, then it's really bad luck. Mm-hmm. And the last one that I'm going to mention in this section is to turn a blind eye. And this one is still a little bit dark, but it has such a specific historical value that I just couldn't not include it. So obviously to turn a blind eye is to willfully ignore things. Like you see something bad going on and you ignore it. 
It dates back to a legendary chapter in the career of the British and naval hero Horatio Nelson. So during the Battle of Copenhagen in 1801, which the Battle of Copenhagen was a historic victory over Denmark during the Napoleonic Wars. So Brits are fighting. Horatio Nelson is British. His superior sent him a signal that he should retreat, that he did not want him to keep going. Uh Well, Horatio Nelson only had one eye. He was blind in the other. Oh. So he literally closed his good eye and put the scope to his eye, his bad eye, and Uh closed his good eye and said, I honestly can't see the signal and just kept going and ignored his superior officer's commands. And they won the battle like it was great for Britain and stuff. But yeah, so specific, like that that's where this comes from. Some historians have said that, you know, it's just a famous quip, but as you know, it's a battlefield myth. But it still persists to this day, like turn a blind eye is a common phrase because of it. Well, I feel like it might have originated from i i want to believe that it came from a real person yeah but if it did then that person must be pretty proud to know that his accomplishments even today it's still talking he about. is smiling down on us from heaven going oh you still talk about me yeah that was the one time i did good when when others said no <laughs> Because I mean, like, think of it. I would love to see his like real life and see if all up to that point he has always like followed orders or he was always a rebel. Has life never really gone his way? And then boom, right there, he's like, I hit it. I hit the lotto on on the rock star. I hit it big. Yeah, every party, he just goes. Well, let's just say I turned a blind eye. Everyone (laughs) in the room just dies. They're like, Oh my god, (laughs) that's awesome, Horatio. Wow. And what an awesome name, too, Horatio. Like, yeah, no. The moment you said that, I was like, damn, I wish my name was Horatio. <laughs> we'll get it legally changed in a few years. Just yeah, like, no, I feel like it would give me two more points on my attractiveness. You know, like, just, what's what's your name? Horatio. would be like, oh, damn, that's an exotic name. Wow, Horatio. So... We're going to move on from little anecdotal things to these are stuff that we hear all the time that are incomplete and have completely different meanings. Everything up to now, it doesn't really matter if you know the background, as long as you're using it correctly. It doesn't matter if you're saying it right. Uh These phrases are given to us partially, so we don't actually fully understand what the original meaning was. Yeah, I, I, this is the part I was excited about. So let's start first with great minds think alike. I don't know if you remember this watching like Saturday morning cartoons or whatever, but there was always at some point, I guess I was watching Disney Channel. I don't know. But Genie would pop up like the Genie from Aladdin. And he would say, great minds think alike. And then come back and go, no, great minds think for themselves. And then give you like this great fact about a historical figure that thought for themselves. Like, Einstein or something. And of course, Genie would turn into it. So this is something that's been ingrained into me for a long time. Great minds think alike. Yeah. Obviously, for everyone that listens to it means if you're having the same idea as someone else, it's obviously a good idea, right? But the full phrase is great minds think alike, but foolish minds rarely differ. So the meaning is completely opposite. You know, yes, great Mm -hmm. minds do think alike. But when you have a bunch of people Statistically speaking, a a bunch of people, let's just say at a bar, and they're all thinking we should have another shot of tequila, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone's going to agree because you're all thinking the same thing because you're like-minded people. Statistically speaking, the more people you have that are alike in a room, 
No one's going to challenge you and no one's going to make you think further than that. No one's going to say, no, we've had enough. It's that group mentality. So sometimes that gets foolish. And we can see that, like you said earlier, with politics, like it just kind of gets to a foolish point. So maybe great minds don't think alike. I personally do not say that saying that much. Well, I mean, you don't say most of these sayings that much. Yeah, I, yeah, but I also feel like, to me, logically speaking, great minds conflict. They can, yeah. They can. I mean, it's awesome when they can come together, but... But, I mean, going back to what we talked about with interconnectedness, a lot of people have the same great ideas at the same time, like yeah, the telephone, and like Darwin's theory. But sometimes, yeah, whenever you have a bunch of people in a room that are all thinking the same thing, that doesn't mean it's necessarily the best thing to do. Exactly. So the next one we'll go into is the money is the root of all evil, which everyone interprets as having money, being rich, is bad. You're obviously yeah. greedy, you're obviously... But mm-hmm. the actual phrase is... The love of money is the root of all evil, which makes complete sense to me because. Oh, yeah. Like once you put your love of money over the love of people, over the love of relationships, yeah, like that, yeah of course it's a bad thing. You wow, shouldn't be a material. Yeah, because it's okay to love money, but like not more than others. I mean, like in this day, for the longest time, you know, since money has come into play or bartering or whatever, material wealth, you know, it's how we survive. Yeah. Like from you food have to, have to money. shelter. Yeah. You have to have money. And, and by money, I mean like something of value that society also would like to exchange with you. Yeah. Which happens to be, you know, money. At this point, it used to be bartering. It used to be shells. It used to be. Mm-hmm. furs you know you gotta have things to get commodities you you have to exactly mm-hmm. so the next one which i do believe table particularly liked was curiosity killed the cat and i heard that as a lot as a kid because i'm just curious about everything and i want to know i want to know what's going on i want to know what the answers are i want to know all of these things And so it's used commonly to discourage being nosy or overreaching. But the actual full phrase is curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. I'm so using that. So I'm so using that. And this this breaks down obviously into two different parts, like curiosity killed the cat. So your need to like fill that answer stresses Uh you out. You need to know you get anxiety about it. You're just on edge. You have to know. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, if you go into like stress and anxiety and stuff, you could have a hard, like you could literally die in some situation. Yeah. The best thing I can think of is like being in a hostage situation and knowing whether or not you're going to survive. Like that's your curiosity yeah. at the moment. You could mm-hmm. have a panic attack and die, but satisfaction brought it back. Like knowing the answer, knowing you're going to be okay is going to relieve you. Even knowing if you're not going to be okay, just knowing one answer or another sometimes is all you need. Like, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. I know personally, making decisions, I agonize over whether or not I'm making the right or wrong decision all the time. But then once I just make it, I leave it alone. And I feel better, no matter what. Whether it was the right decision or the wrong decision, I've made a decision and that's it. I automatically yeah. feel relief because I'm not stressing over it anymore. So that's eye-opening. That is completely just changes the game. No, it definitely does. Because like we were taught to just stop questioning mm-hmm. you know or usually when you you hear that but the other thing is basically you better find out like if you question it go find out yeah 
But also in my head, I'm like, damn, how many times have I been told that like by a girl? Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to be able to say, you know, retort back to them and be like, but (laughs) satisfaction brought it back. And then they're going to be like, oh, damn. Welcome to humanity where table turns everything into a pickup line. Well, it's a pretty damn good one. You know, if a girl says, you know, like curiosity killed the cat, satisfaction has been linked with orgasming or whatever. So if you say, but satisfaction brought it back, they're going to be like, oh, it sounds good. But of course, it's up to you to say, (laughs) oh, that's the actual saying and be a total nerd. Or you could just (laughs) give them a nice smile and maybe lure them back to wherever you live. I don't know. Don't say lure. <laughs> that sounds oh, Okay. Um, entice? Invite. Invite. Invite them. Back. Consensually. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're going to end on what I feel like is the most important distinction here. A lot of people in terms of family and stuff use the phrase blood is thicker than water. And I mean, to me, hearing that growing up, it's it's always meant that your family is more important than your friends. Your family is more important than your job. You know, blood is thicker than water. Your connections to should be loyal to your family. But the full mm-hmm. phrase is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. So this isn't just like leaving one word out. This isn't leaving half the phrase out. This is leaving partial bits of this out to make it fit a narrative. So the blood yeah. of the covenant covenants left out is Mm -hmm. thicker than the water of the womb the womb is left out so -hmm. what it actually means it originates from warriors who shared blood in the battles together like they shed blood together they became Mm -hmm. blood brothers and they were said to have stronger bonds than any biological family so what it's really saying is that the bonds you form outside of your family through trauma through strife through war are actually usually stronger than familial bonds. And the fact that it's used in a completely opposite way to encourage you to put your family over everyone else when that might not be the best idea all the time, you know, it's it's a little bit backhanded to me. I don't know. Like, it kind of makes sense to me. I mean, like, if someone out there grew up with me, I'd be like, yeah, but if someone took a grenade for me and I survived and they survived, I'd be like, I I got you for life, you know, like that would be hard. I'd be like, mom, dad, yeah, you gave him a life to me, but this guy actually saved my life. Like I was going to die, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I don't know. It's tough. It's, you know, it's once again up to your own personal opinions and decisions, but a lot of people do say, you know, blood is thicker than what? Yeah, blood is thicker than water. Yeah, blood is thicker than water. But I've always also heard the saying, friends are thicker than blood. I don't know. Which means the same thing. My thing is, I feel like the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. The blood of the covenant is a choice. Like making a choice and choosing someone to me is more powerful than something, a choice you're not given. You know, like that's true. You're not given the choice of what family you're born into. I'm not saying family isn't important. I love my family, but making choices to me, like I also still actively choose my family. You know, I choose my Mm -hmm. family, but I also choose the people I'm close with. And making that choice over and over again is more powerful to me than 
something I never chose to begin with. Yeah, that's true. There's too many variables going through my head, though. I'm like, but what if this? What if that? What if they did this? You know, like, who would you choose? Oh, yeah, we, we do not need scenarios at this point. Yeah, but that is something that you listeners can debate about in your head or don't because it might drive you crazy. And also feel free to drop by any of our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and tell us what your favorite phrases are that you know historically. We would love to hear about those. Yeah, definitely. But you can also catch us very soon on live things like Twitch, YouTube. We have our Patreon up and running. Please sign up for extra content. We would love to see you more often. And until we meet again on the next one, think hard about the way you say things, but not too hard because who really cares? And I'm going to just repeat this thing because I really like it. But curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. Table out. Have a great week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.